0: podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you with the cooperation of the SJ Network. If you're a person who needs a publicist and you want to appear on podcasts, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. I'm very excited over today's guest, Joe Saul C. High from the Stacking Benjamins podcast. I'd love to make my first million.
1: I'm more interested in my second million. I've already spent my first million.
0: You've already spent a million dollars. I think his podcast will show you how to invest it smarter.
1: That sounds great. But do you think there's a section on how to tell the difference between real money and monopoly money? Wait a minute. There's a difference? That must be why I'm not welcome at the podcast to casino anymore.
0: Attention, rebels of the show pollution. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We would like to give you a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial simply by heading to www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts, including this one, to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. And now, the one and only Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, the Sherpa is available for weddings, bar mitzvahs, and funerals. He's very good at vacuuming. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount
1: Podcastia. Here's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa.
0: Hello there, Rebels, and welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts and so much more. How are you? It's your buddy, Jim the Podcast Sherpa, right here behind the mic. That's me. Yes. Oh, okay. You don't know. You can look away now. It's all right. So I'm here, and this is a show I was very excited about. I was so surprised that I was able to get the guest that I have today. Who's
1: our guest today, Sherpa?
0: His name is Joe Saul and for those of you who don't know him, he is the host of the wildly popular Stacking Benjamins podcast. And it's probably one of the best financial podcasts that you're going to want to hear that's out there in podcast. And I got to get to know him a little bit. He's a fantastic guy. I had a wonderful conversation with him. We didn't really talk too much about money, believe it or not. I just was so interested in learning about him and the show itself as well. It's definitely a show you'd like to check out, we'll talk about that a little bit after this interview. So have a listen, and you'll get to know Joe Saucy right about now. Hello, Rebels. This is a momentous occasion, folks. The Stackers meet the Rebels of the Sharpolution. And I have one of the leaders of the Stackers, he's actually the founder of this podcast called the Stacking Benjamins Podcast, which has been on around 10 years?
1: Is that about right? A, about a decade, yeah, man. Yeah,
0: a decade, over 1,400 shows, and Listen, rebels. Thirty million downloads. Hello. So if if they want to send a couple of five or six listeners down my way, I'll have five or six more listeners. <laughs> Joe Sol is here at the Sherpa Chalet, coming
1: from his mom's
0: unfinished basement. Absolutely.
1: Welcome. I'm. Thank you, Jim. I'm so excited to be on the show. I just I love what you do so much, and uh, yeah, I can I, I, I just can't wait to chat.
0: Now, you just came back from vacation.
1: I did. We went to northern Michigan. We were in uh, wine country. Most people don't know that Michigan has a wine country. Hmm. And I'll tell you that uh, Michigan wine's pretty undiscovered, but but uh, but un- un- unrightfully, is that a word? Unrightfully so? Uh Because, in fact, there was a a big wine magazine just last week that awarded some Michigan wines some great scores. And uh, we've seen that every year that these Michigan wineries, beautiful place to hang out around uh, Traverse City, Michigan. And then we went into the Upper Peninsula after that, uh, which is... Way different undiscovered territory. In fact, we stayed at this place. So we stay at this really nice bed and breakfast kind of winery thing in in Traverse City. Beautiful place to stay. We're in the Upper Peninsula. We stay at the White Pine Lodge in Christmas, Michigan, which is along uh, Lake Superior, way up at the top. And it, it's the kind of place my dad would take me when we would go on hunting trips way up North. I'm from Kalamazoo, uh, Southwest Michigan. So we go way up there and it would be, it's this beat up, it's this awesome motel. I loved it. Beat up motel with a convenience store attached and a 16 person hot tub, it little, like all the disease in one room, you know, <laughs> just, just, just right, right there. And, uh, and just awesome. I mean, it, and, and inexpensive and a great, you know, I'm a, I'm a finance guy. So that was great. But then we finished off the trip by going to Lake Superior National Park, which is one of the, excuse me, Lake Superior National Park. What am I talking about? It's in Lake Superior. It's Isle Royal National Park. There we go. A lot of people see it and they think it's Royale, but it's Isle Royal. And it's a three hour ferry ride toward the top of Lake Superior, actually closer to uh, uh, Canada than it is to Michigan. But w- when you get there, it is the least visited national park in the United States. And it was gorgeous. And when we got there, it's funny. The ranger said, and I probably shouldn't say this out loud. He said, uh, welcome to Isle Royal national park. If you love it, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and, I, and I should keep my mouth shut. But I'm a podcaster, Jim, so I can and It was awesome. We saw a moose while we were there. We watched the float planes. You know, we took a ferry, a boat ferry, but also people get there by float plane. And I've never watched these float planes land on the water. And uh, we sat one afternoon and just watched the float planes come in and out. It was really cool.
0: Well, and then you, then you drove all the way back
1: home. I drove all the way back home. Across yeah, Across
0: the country. I did. Going yeah. north to south.
1: Listen to a podcast. That's what I do. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> now, are, are you a patient
1: driver when it comes to like long distances and stuff like that? Oh, that's so funny. That's actually a funny story too. So my daughter... When she, when she was uh, a teenager, a young teenager, one day just had a breakdown in the car. And she's like, dad, you have a problem. And, and, and I said, I'm trying not to laugh because my daughter sometimes would just get really emotional all at once. And you just. I tried to take her seriously. And I said, I said, really, what's my problem? And Cheryl, my spouse, leans forward and goes, Autumn, what's what's dad's problem? And she said, dad yells at drivers all the time. He gets so angry when he drives. And her twin brother, my son, Nick, starts laughing. And she goes, shut up, Nick. It's not funny. He goes, no, dad likes to yell at drivers. Like dad fight and I do. I do. I find, it fun, I find it fun to call people names who are driving in the passing lane for no apparent reason. There's nobody else around, but it's all about you driving below the speed limit in the passing lane. So, yeah. Uh, and they've
0: got their directional on for three three miles and they haven't changed their
1: lanes yet. Absolutely. Yes. Are you turning? Or are you going to turn later? What, what, what's happening here? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, no. I, so I guess the answer is no, Jim. I'm not patient.
0: <laughs> I'm not you know, it, it's funny sometimes I'll, I'll be driving with my wife, and like somebody will cut us off, and she like, well, why don't you beep the horn?
1: She'll actually lean, lean in and beep the horn before no. I do because oh, she gets yeah. madder than than me. She is and me. Cheryl says when she's driving, I'm not allowed to talk. <laughs> so I just say, she said, well, why don't don't you get mad at these drivers? I said, because I
0: have a bazooka in the trunk. I don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Well,
1: I'll tell you what I do on the ride, though, that keeps me calm. Like I said, I listen to podcasts, but I also really like... What, what I consider to be the precursor to podcasts because podcasts different than AM radio, you know, AM, a lot of people say it's like it, the, the new coming of AM radio because it's like talk radio, you and I talking now, mm-hmm. but, but a podcast is intentional. You have to press play on too many podcasts to get to what you and I are talking about right now. Right. You, you actually have to want to be here. And so you're much more active listening than you are on AM radio. I think it's much more like old time radio shows where where people would show up at the beginning of Gunsmoke or Jack Benny or, or Burns and Allen or some of these old shows that a lot of people don't know what the hell what I'm talking about. But they're wonderful shows. And there's a there's a station on uh, Sirius XM, which is called Radio Classics. Mm-hmm. and Man, I will listen to that. I'll listen to that. Uh, all day. It, it just, between that and my favorite podcast, I, you know, the, the, the 15 hour drive home is nothing.
0: It, it's funny that you mentioned the old time radio shows, because if I speak to someone who's a little older than me and, and they know they have a podcast, I say, well, what's that like? And I, I say to them, do you remember the radio shows that you used to listen to when you were a kid?" It's basically that, you know, as if, you know, my daughter doesn't have a specific plot or anything like that, or, you know, dramatic acting. Well,
1: most of the time anyway,
0: <laughs> but, but then they're like, okay, I get what you're talking about. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny. It's a great, you know, metaphor.
1: Well, that's my, you know, and I think that, that I come by it honestly, on New Year's night, my mom and I had this, always had this uh, tradition growing up where, Uh, we would turn on the orange bowl, which is always new year's night and have that game on in the background. Uh, but with the sound off and we would turn on the radio because the local radio station, WKZO would always play old Jack Benny episodes on new year's night. It was a Kalamazoo tradition. And then she'd get out this card table, you know, this old rickety card table. And, and she put a puzzle out. And so we're watching the game. No wonder I have ADD, right? We got the game on, but we're listening to Jack Benny and we're putting together this puzzle and that became, so Jack Benny kind of was like the fabric of good times growing up. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's part of why I podcast now. Cause I just think it's so fun.
0: Oh, Rochester. <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> what is this thing Rochester? called a podcast? <laughs> I'll tell you, Mr. Bennett. <laughs> and, and it's a Jack Benny, right? How much does it cost? <laughs> yes. And that's too expensive for me. Right. <laughs> So, you were
0: originally a financial advisor.
1: I was. I was a financial planner for 16 years, which is kind of funny because, you know, my background, Jim, is that I was really a disaster with money. <laughs> I, was, I was horrible with money. In fact, when I was at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, uh, I... I freshman year, first week, going to Mark Clark Hall, which is the student union. And they've got that table there to get an American Express card, right? And I don't remember what they're giving away. They're giving away like a Frisbee or a beach towel or something. I don't even remember. All I knew was, sounds good to me. And so here I am, by the way, gonna rewind a little bit. I'm in a military college. I can't have a job. (laughs) Like (laughs) there is no, there is no, opportunity for me to pay the bill yet i stand in this long line of other people that are applying for a card i apply and guess what happens about two weeks later a card shows up even though i have zero and and, and by the way the laws have changed since then where they can't be as predatory as they were then and uh so immediately the first time we get leave my friends and I go to the mall out in North Charleston. And I remember I took them to this hike. Well, we all went to this high-class restaurant called Ruby Tuesdays. Don't know if you're familiar with it. Very <laughs> exclusive place at a salad bar. And, uh, but we get done and me being a, a complete badass, I said, Hey, guys, flash that green card. It's on me. I got it. And so I pay for like eight of us. And then as we're walking around the mall, I go to Nordstrom, of course, pick the, you know, one of the most expensive stores out there. I see this, this, uh, this, uh, mannequin with a, with a sweater on that is just the ugliest sweater of all time. It's, it's total late eighties. And, uh, and I buy this really expensive sweater. Of course I put it on credit and, uh, you know, then a month later, the bill comes. To, th- this this completely irrational thing happens. A bill shows up. I'm <laughs> like what the what? A bill? I got to pay for this stuff? What are you talking about? The what was the odds? <laughs> yes, the American Express card. You got to pay for all all at once. But you know, I mean, I'm 18 years old. I never thought about the fact. I, I seriously, it never seriously crossed my mind that I was going to pay for this stuff. Like wow, okay. And so I did what any rational human being would do. I called my mom. <laughs> And I said, and I said, mom, we have a problem. And mom said, no, we don't have a problem. You have a problem. And uh, she said, figure it out. And so my credit was ruined immediately in college. The card was gone. You know, two months later, the card was taken away. I spent the whole next summer working with a collection agency to pay off this ultimately, which wasn't a big bill, you know, like $170, $180. But to me, that was a fortune because I could make no money. And so I was learning the hard way about money. What's funny though about these these, uh, big companies that hire people to be financial planners, they didn't look up any of that stuff when they hired me. (laughs) they, (laughs) They didn't look up anything. I actually had a friend that worked for the company that said, and this is a quote, he said, we normally don't hire people like you, but I think you'd be good at this. It was exact, We don't hire people like you. Okay. Because I was a creative writing major in college. And yet, you know what's funny, Jim? He was right. Which is that because I had a bad experience of money, I knew nothing about money, uh, but I am very much an engineer. I grew up in farm country, though. I had no idea what an engineer was. Uh, I thought it was somebody that drove a train. And Which it is, but the other kind of engineer is the type that I am, where my brain kind of works through, how does this stuff all work? And I want to know exactly how mutual fund works. How does the stock market work? How does insurance work? How do you get better deals at the grocery store? How can we save money on our utilities? Like This was just amazing to me. I thought it was great. And I soaked it all in. And because of the fact that I didn't have a finance background and talked like the guy next door, I... Became very good at it in a hurry and uh, became a media representative for the company that I was with, which, by the way, was swallowed by American Express. And now I became a spokesperson for American Express. Talk about a company that didn't do their homework like I'm the dude that they couldn't trust with a credit card. And a few years later, I'm talking on behalf of them to the Wall Street Journal and the Los Angeles Times and whoever, you know, Bride Membership
0: has its privileges. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. That's right. Exactly it. It's exactly it. Yeah. So I was a financial planner for 16 years and then, um, and I liked it. I really did. And I was good at it. My, uh, uh, I managed about $60 million, which is not, you know, if you ask a financial planner, it's not a huge practice, but it's not a small one. It's a medium-sized business. And um, one day my mentor left and he said, he he had this great letter that he wrote to all of us. And by the way, the, the the end of the business that I was in, Jim, was not the end of the business where you write a letter saying you're leaving. It's much more of a Jerry Maguire. People seen that movie, more of a Jerry Maguire, take all the client files at midnight and, and sneak out. And then the next morning you're calling as fast as you can to get people to move over. He didn't do any of that, but that's the type of business it was. And I saw other people do that, but he, uh, he wrote this letter saying, you know, what? Uh, I like financial planning, but I don't love it. I, I think I'm only going to live one time. Like, I don't know. You've had paranormal people on the show. So maybe we get to live to, I don't know. Maybe we do, but I don't think so. Uh, so if we only get to live once, I, I got to find the thing that I love and I'm not sure what it is and I don't have enough time to find out. And that was really powerful when he wrote that, for, not just for me, but for a bunch of people that were influenced by this guy. His name's Chris. And Chris had this phrase in his letter where he said, I have other mountains to climb. And I thought that was really inspirational, but he wasn't, being philosophical, he actually climbed Mount Everest twice. Wow. He's climbed almost all of the tall peaks. He now runs an adventure travel company in Colorado. He does exactly what he loves. And so at 40, I was turning 40 and at 40, I'm like, you know what? I like this, but I don't love it. And I decided to sell. My business was a franchise so I could sell it. Sold my franchise for a bunch of money. Use that money to, at first, I thought I was going to become a high school teacher and a track coach. And while I was taking these high, these classes to become a teacher, now that I've sold my business, um, I was bored. I was bored with the classes and started writing PR stuff for my friends. That turned into a blog about money. The blog about money turned into a podcast ten years ago. The podcast, after a few iterations, about three or four years in, took off and and uh, so now I podcast full time.
0: Wow, <laughs> that, that is an amazing growth story. I mean, and. And it all comes out of, you know, not knowing how to use a credit
1: card when you right. right. roll into each other. I know, because I started <laughs> off crappy with money. You know, <laughs> every journey starts there, which actually shows, you know, I I think that we get, I mean, not to turn, to turn your joke into something uber serious, but one thing I always saw from people... Is people think they're bad at stuff and then they turn off, right? Especially, you know, you don't see kids do this, by the way, kids will, kids will tinker with it and then they'll keep tinker with it and they, and they give themselves a shot to get good at it. Adults don't do that. They're like, Oh, I'm bad with money and they, and they shut off or, or yeah, I don't think I can understand, you know, how the stock market works and they shut off. And we don't give ourselves the opportunity to suck at something for a while. <laughs> until we can get good at it. And, and by the way, once you open yourself up to more of that growth mentality, th- that's where the fun is. The fun is, is being crappy at something and then not being as bad and then being a little better. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I don't stink anymore. Like, that's pretty cool.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the podcast, the Stacking Benjamins podcast. We were saying earlier, I felt that your show is just so unique in comparison to a lot of other financial podcasts because it, it's not intense. It's not in your face that, you know, where, where you're just throwing out a whole bunch of terminology and saying, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's approachable. It's it's a conversation at a table that, that people can listen in on and like say, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. It, it, yeah, It's really, you know, clarifying. And I noticed like also on your website, the stackingbenjamins.com, you have the creed where you actually acknowledge that, you know, it's not the same for everybody.
1: Yeah, we all start from different places, and I think we have to be nice to each other. You know, and uh, I people told me for a long time, Jim, that I should have a podcast, uh, and and I kept saying, no, I don't have anything to say, and I don't want to be Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey yelling at people. And and by the way, no no offense to them because they're good at what they do. Obviously, they've got the audience to prove it. They're great at that. I don't want to be the last word personal finance. I think there's too much gray area. Myself, like I've, you know, I worked with a couple hundred families for 16 years. I saw a lot of gray area and it's different for a lot of people. So I didn't want to be the, the guy or the woman, you know, yelling at somebody about their money. So instead I decided we'd be much more like an airport where where I've got this airport. I have, uh, I've, I've, i um, uh, curated different airliners, different planes that I like. And I find interesting and much like you do with your show, but yours is, yours is on all different topics. Mine is just money. I'm like, you know what? I trust this person. I like this person. I like this story. I think this was neat. And I, and then you decide which plane you get on. And instead of being the last word, I like being the first word. And that, and that, by the way, comes from uh, a guy named Austin Cleon, who wrote this great book called Steal Like an Artist. And Steal Like an Artist means don't go rip people off in what they do, but, but find stuff that resonates with you and riff on it, make it your own. And nobody that's ever listened to our show will tell you that we sound like car talk. Uh, this show that was on NPR. And yet car talk was the inspiration for the show. I was mowing my lawn one day after I told another person, no, I'm not going to start a podcast. And, uh, and I'm listening to click and clack. These two brothers, one, one's died, but they still play the show because they're so evergreen uh, on a lot of NPR stations. But you know, they answer questions about cars. They laugh about cars I realized during the show, Jim, that I'm learning nothing about cars, but I'm having a blast. And don't get me wrong. When I say I'm learning nothing, I mean, I'm not intentionally learning, but I'm picking up all kinds of stuff about cars. But in this fun way, and these guys aren't trying to be, even though they know what they're talking about, and they know what they're doing. Like I think me and my co-host, who's a, a working certified financial planner, we know what we're talking about but that's not really the goal. The goal is to create this community and this feeling where we're all having a good time. We're going to talk about the headlines. We're going to show you some interesting approaches that we like. We're going to talk about the basics and how they work and how to start building your stack. But, um, but it's all based on click and clack. It all started with, it all started with this fun show about cars where I was like, man, if I could create money surround sound, that'd be so much more fun.
0: Just as a little side note, uh, Joe's sidekick is a guy named Josh, otherwise known as OG, the other That's guy. Right.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, yes, we're like he's well because at first when we first started the show. Josh said, uh, and we never call him Josh ever. But but he uh, he said he's like, well, I want to be, I want to be kind of anonymous so I can speak very bluntly about the industry, right? He said. So uh, so what are we going to call me? And I'm like, I don't know, we'll call you, we'll call you the other guy. And I'm like, oh my God, that's OG, like original gangsta. So our show's a bunch of inside jokes and that's like one of 50. They're just <laughs> joke, jokes for us. They, they, I don't, you know, if somebody else laughs, that's fine, but we're just making ourselves laugh.
0: And you're coming, is this your first book that you're coming out with? Is that it is. First publication, it's called Stacked, Your super. Serious Guide to Modern Money Management.
1: That's right. And by the title, yeah, I think you can tell just how serious it is. It, it's not that serious. And by the way, it's incredibly serious. Um, but one of the key tenants, like you were mentioning, our creed is that people got to kind of lighten up about money. And it makes it easier to learn when you lighten up. And... And I think it's because of the fact that this is such a serious matter. You know, I saw a statistic last week that over 65% of people have cried about their money, um, have cried about it. And now you think that that's going to be based on low income people. Certainly when I was young and I wasn't making much money, I cried about money and I didn't know where I was going to come up with my next. Meal, you know, there was a time I ran out of gas and I was all the way across town. And I, I remember I'm searching through the uh, underneath the seats, just looking for quarters to or dimes or nickels or something to go down to this gas station and, and uh, put a little bit of gas in my car to get home. Like I remember those days of crying about money uh, because I didn't have much money. But you know what? Even high income people. Of people that make $250,000 or more, 60% of those people have cried about their money. So a lot of people that feel this angst around around money. So I thought, because I get to interview so many authors about money topics, you know, and you always look for the thing that nobody's doing. Uh, and I thought that nobody has this guide that is just meant to be, well, I'll tell you exactly what it's meant to be. The longer story, Jim. Okay. Is so. I'm at Powell's bookstore out in Portland, right? I'm in Portland, Oregon. And P- Powell's, for people who don't know, is, have, have you been to Powell's? It's this huge bookstore. Okay. It is like a block long. Powell's pretty much bought a building and then bought the building next to it, bought the building next to it, knocked out the walls. And so like the floors don't even line up. And if you're on the third floor in one half the building, you can't get to third floor and the other because they're, you know, the other side of the building. But there's just this monster bookstore. Great place for book lovers. And uh, Cheryl and I, whenever we go to Portland, we like to just lose ourselves. In the bookstore, you know, you go and you, you just let yourself wander and then your brain wanders. And next thing you know, I've got a stack of eight books I want to buy on topics I didn't even know I was interested in. So I'm walking around this particular day and I, and I know I've already written a book, uh, but I didn't publish it because it was written over 10 years and it sucked. It was horrible. It was the, 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 you could, you could tell it was written over a long period of time. And so I never published it. Um, what I did instead Was used it for my newsletter to tell stories from my newsletter stuff, but I'm walking around, I get to the kids section and I see the Hardy boys detective manual. Did you read any Hardy boys, Jim?
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Remember those little hardcover books? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And the detective manual. So they had all of the regular stories and then the detective manual was written with the help of a real retired FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And it taught you all this stuff, how to do, how to do fingerprinting, how to, uh, how to tail somebody, how to crack a code. Right. I could do all of this cool stuff with the, with the help of the Hardy boys, this FBI person. And I immediately had this spark of what if there were a finance book that people carried around as diligently as my brother and I carried this around when I was in fourth grade, like, because we had it dog-eared. I mean, I felt bad for my mom because every time she'd touch a doorknob, my brother and I would go over there with scotch tape and we're taking her fingerprints <laughs> off, the, off the doorknob. Sure. My mom didn't commit any crime, but didn't stop her from getting fingerprinted by the kids. So uh, I thought, wouldn't that be really cool if we had that kind of book? And then we flew home. And what's funny is when when we got home my mom had let herself in cuz she has a key to take care of our cat and stuff. Uh and there's a box of all my stuff. Now at the time I'm 50 years old and my mom's finally relinquishing the crap out of her her attic that I can can have and it's like the Little League picked little Joey in Little League, you know, and my my hair's all messed up and whatever. Uh but I'm the bowling trophy, the father son bowling league and the arm has been broken off the, the the trophy, you know, and it's a seventh place trophy. Uh, but the Cub got Wolf Guide was in there. What was, what was cool about the Cub got Wolf Guide was the way the chapters are set up. It starts off with tools you'll need. It succinctly tells you what you need to do. And at the end, to get the achievement, gamification, which is big and money, right? I mean, I'm turning things into games. If you're going to be good with money is a wonderful way to get good with money. And at the at the bottom, you check off all the things to get the achievement and then on the bottom dude your mom has to sign it (laughs) like how great is this <laughs> so, so the idea for Stacked was born, and I got a great agent, uh, Jillian Michaels and uh, Jean Chatsky uh, from the Today Show. She's the money person from the Today Show. Uh, I, I I was able to get their agent. I got a wonderful co-author, not not a ghostwriter. I wanted to write it myself with somebody else, Emily Guy Birkin, who's written five great books on money, and um, and we we set out to write this super serious manual. So it's meant to be funny. It's meant to be light, but it's also meant to have actionable things that you can do, just like the Cub Scout Wolf Guide. And then you have your mom sign the bottom of each chapter to show that you know you know what you're doing with money. <laughs> I like it. Definitely a unique approach. So I was pretty happy. We had a we had a uh, uh, and this was intimidating. I never knew how it worked. Uh, they had a an auction. And the three biggest uh, the three biggest publishers in the United States were were vying for the book, which I was pretty honored by and the biggest one, Penguin Random House, uh, won the book so it's coming out from Penguin Random House December 28th.
0: I'm sure it's definitely something that a lot of people want to look forward to. I now, hope being a, being a dad, what do you, what is like the most important thing that you like to communicate to your kids about money?
1: Yeah, the fact that, that everything is a choice. You know what I didn't realize when I was young was that was that if I spend money today, I don't have it available for tomorrow, um, and and it's that one little choice that you're trading hours of your life, maybe sometimes future hours, Jim, of your life. Right? If you if you use credit, like as an example, when I had that bill, uh, that first bill when I went and bought the Nordstrom sweater. And then it went to a collection agency. Well, I ended up paying double what that sweater cost after all the interest and the fees and, and the collection agency, all that stuff. But I paid double that. But, but what was interesting was it took me the whole summer to pay for that, to, to pay that off. So I had traded hours of my life. For a sweater that I didn't really want and I didn't really need. And so realizing when you're making a money decision, is this worth the hours it's going to take me to get there? That for me was the number one thing to teach my kids. And it's, it's pretty cool. My, my, my daughter, especially she loves to shop, uh, like her dad. Her dad is, you know, I'm, I'm the opposite of a lot of people. I never carry any money in my wallet. And for people that don't know, I'm showing Jim my wallet right now. Uh, I have no money in my wallet. You're uh,
0: wallet, yep. he's, he's no, not
1: kidding. <laughs> yep. I have, I have credit cards because I'm, I'm unlike other people. I will not spend the credit card. I will not put any money on a credit card. I feel bad every time I do. So I don't do that. Studies show, by the way, most people love spending money on credit cards and won't spend cash. So, but, but I, am my, I'm, I'm totally the opposite. Well, my daughter's like her dad. And so, uh, she has learned some great things. Like when she's gone, when she went to high school dances, she used rent the runway. And I don't know if you're familiar with rent the runway, where she would rent a dress from a top designer and pay a fraction of what all these other girls in high school were spending on a dress that they were going to wear one or once or twice. (laughs) So she always looked awesome, had the dress for the night, sent it back and paid a fraction to look great. And then she's become a thrift store fiend. Like she will, she will find great deals there on the stuff that she, that she likes.
0: That's really amazing. You know, like you said, you just have to give them simple rules and then let them build upon that.
1: Yeah. Well, and and, and that's a good point, Jim. The other thing you got to be comfortable with, if you're a parent listening to us that I had to become comfortable with, you got to give them some rope. And what I mean by that, give them some rope to make mistakes. You know, that, I mean, I mean the horrible phrase is give them some rope to hang themselves. Right. But, 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 but let, let kids make $20 mistakes. My parents were great people, but half the reason that I applied for a credit card as a freshman in college was my parents never trusted me with a dime ever, ever, ever. And so I went to college, didn't know anything about how credit cards work. Didn't know anything about, you know, uh, about getting into trouble. And, uh, and so I had to trust my kids to mess up $10 decisions and $20 decisions. And, and that's hard as a parent because you like I would take my kids to a store with their allowance money and my daughter comes back with this thing she's spending $15 on and it is a hunk of junk. And I know for a fact that a week from now, it's either gonna be broken or she's it's in a corner and she hasn't thought about it. So I had to mark on my calendar to talk to her about it two weeks later. Let her make the $20 to $15 mistake. Let her make the mistake and two weeks later, circle back and go autumn where's that toy oh yeah was it really worth 15 bucks no 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 it really wasn't but i had to let her mess up first you know and as parents we don't like to see our kids mess up but that that piece is hard but that was something that um that was a key to teaching my kids about money
0: right and with some parents they just keep throwing money at their kids problems and the kids never really learn how to think on their own when it comes to finances
1: either Right. No, it is those discussions that's important. We had another discussion. I actually do talk about this in our, in our book. It's because just because I think it's funny now. I didn't at the time. I would come home from work at the end of a day and, uh, uh, my house is lit up like Disneyland. We had three televisions in the house, one in the basement, one in the little breakfast area and one main TV in the family room. All three TVs are on. And nobody's watching any of them, right? (laughs) And (laughs) all the lights are on. And that would drive me crazy. So I could yell at my kids, which is what we did at first uh, or I could turn it into a game. So what we did was we, we, we I just took some graph paper and we just made a challenge, a family challenge, which was the utility, which was the electric bill challenge. And I would just place a dot on what the electric bill was. And back then you got, you know, the paper statements, right? And so the statement would come and it went from everybody's horrified the, the electric bills here to everybody's excited to see if we beat last month. And my kids, once I turned into a challenge gym, they became misers. Like everybody in my house was like, shut that off, dad. You don't watch that TV. Shut it off. Dad, do we need the air conditioner? I don't think you need that fan, dad. Turn that off. And it was, it was awesome to see everything change when you just involve them a little bit too. I like that.
0: Little interesting ideas. Nothing too complicated. You can tell, I mean, you
1: got stuff like this in your book. I mean, this is definitely going to be a winner that people are really going to enjoy. I hope so. You know, I mean, I've made enough money for me. It's not about for me selling books. It's not about, um, it's not about, you know, making a bundle of cash. It, 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 I- I believe money's so much easier than we think it is. And so many people are being left behind now. You just look at the statistics. The statistics are there's a lot of people who is cost of living is going up. Their incomes aren't going up, which means that more than ever, we need to all be better with money. We need to be better holding onto our cash. So if if my income is is stagnant, two things, how do I get a raise? And I talk about that a little bit in the book, but I'll tell you here, the big thing to do, Jim, and this is, this is the easiest thing of all. Ready? The best thing to do, ask for a raise because studies show your boss wants to give you a raise, but you haven't asked because you think for whatever reason that you shouldn't, you can't, you whatever. Every study shows now you got to ask the right way. And that's a little more complicated, but, but man, get out there and ask, ask for a raise and you may get them. And, and you know what? And if you don't, the, the side hustle, nation side hustle world has gotten so much bigger and easier like making money on the side mm-hmm. has gotten easier than ever before sure. and so having this side business can also be pretty fulfilling you know i mean i know you and i were talking earlier about you've got a full time job and and you love podcasting and so having this part time thing you do whether it's for money or fulfillment or whatever is always uh, just just a ton of you know it can be fun it can be fulfilling and maybe you make a few bucks
0: yeah. I keep my fingers crossed on the last part, but it is fun and fulfilling. Though.
1: Well, I know. Yeah. yeah. Let's be clear. If you're getting into podcasting to make money, you're doing it. Wrong. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> you're not going to podcasting to make money. That's true. All right.
0: Since we're talking about podcasts, uh, why don't you let me know uh, some of the podcasts that you like to listen to,
1: Joe? Oh man, I've got so many. So one of my favorite shows is a show called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Have you heard this one? no <laughs> so you really like the final <laughs> yeah yeah so Betty Be- Betty calls herself Betty thesky which if you look at thesky it's Betty the sky right so she's anonymous to protect the airline that she works with which is a major US airline I actually have found out what it was because I've had Betty on on a stacking Benjamin show but, but afterwards and this is what's cool Jim is when you're a fan of stuff and you're a podcaster you get to reach out to these people you're fans of and I've been a fan of Betty's forever but but Betty as a flyer, Flight attendant, you know they do the service on the plane back before COVID, and then after afterwards, she would take a recording device, sit down with the other flight attendants, and she would have them tell stories about some of the weird crap that happens on planes. <laughs> and it is just it, you can imagine. Some of the stories are rated R, heavy rated R. Some of them are rated G. Part of what I like about Betty's show, it only comes out about once a month because she's super busy at work, and and but it's like spinning a roulette wheel. Either I'm going to get some funny endearing stories, or I'm going to get some weird weird stuff. And I'll give you one example. This uh, one story she told this this older guy, and and this this by the way is a recurring theme on her show. Do not take ambient and have a couple drinks when you get on a plane. Cause because that cocktail, ambient to go to sleep and a couple drinks, turns you into what they call an ambient zombie. And you <laughs> will sleepwalk and you won't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> so this older guy in first class has had an ambient and a couple drinks. They're on a flight to Europe, so it's overnight. And uh, you know, a, a Late at night, everybody's asleep. He very casually gets up out of his first class seat, walks over to the curtain between first class and coach, opens the curtain, unzips his pants, and starts peeing in the aisle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one I like is a show, of a, a good comedy show called The Beef and Dairy Network. And it is the number one podcast. This is how they build themselves, which by the way is, is, is not... Comedy. They build themselves as the number one uh, podcast in England for the Beef and Dairy Network now, and they do it all with a very straight face. And I would have to say it was probably two thirds of the way through the first episode that I realized this is all very straight face comedy, like entirely straight face comedy. And sometimes the accents are thick and I don't know what they're saying, but most of the time I'm laughing my head off. Uh, and even the advertisements, they have this advertisement for Aristophany yogurt. And it's a yogurt that is either, either made by people who are Greek or made by people who look like they're Greek. Like, <laughs> but, but they say it with a straight face. <laughs> Those are the only people that make it. And they say two things that the Greeks are great at tax evasion and making yogurt. So it's, 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 pretty damn funny. Uh, I like that podcast on the, on the, you know, the inspirational front. I'm a big fan of, uh, of the Tim Ferriss show, but I do, you know, I cherry pick. Tim Ferriss' episodes. Um, he's probably one of the biggest name podcasters I listen to. The other two are kind of niche and, and, and pretty fun. Oh, I also, um, and this is only good for a subset of your audience, but it's way funnier and also way less, way less bad than I thought it was going to be. Way less bad. Is that a sentence? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm following uh, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the first season of my dad wrote a porno is, is, is hilarious. That show is so, 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 so funny. Uh, my, my dad wrote a porno about this guy who's maybe middle age. His dad's maybe in his seventies, and his dad decides to write a porno and he hands it to his son to edit it. And it's awful. <laughs> it, is just, it is just, and so this guy grabs a couple of his friends, and I think the three of them are really comedians. Um, it, it's one woman and two men then sit around reading out loud this one guy's porno. And it is, it is bad. Like the woman's like, I don't think I can do that. Like my body doesn't work that way. And the guys are like, I I don't even know that that would turn me on. Like it is, like I, it gets a little repetitive after a while. I'm like, okay, I can only hear that story so many times. But but at least for uh the first season, my dad wrote a porno. It was really good. <laughs>
0: Okay. It's, it's three interesting choices there. Okay, and of course, you, as you well know, we have this portion of the show called Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless Self-promotion. Shame Self-promotion. Shame Self-Promotion. And we know uh, you've got a lot of good stuff going on. So uh, you want to let everybody know where they can follow you and get in touch with you or... The
1: floor is all yours. Yeah, thanks, Jim. And by the way, this has been so fun. I I've, I was so excited all day to talk to you. So thanks a ton for having me. Uh, you know, pre-orders of any book for any author are super important. So if you think that there's a member of your family that that uh, would like it, you know, a lot of people don't know that when you pre-order a book, that's what they use for on the low end, the Amazon rankings, right? When it comes out, that, that gives an author some exposure. But better yet for us is the Wall Street Journal ranking that gives it even more exposure. God forbid, if we make the New York Times bestseller list, that would be great. But when you when you hear an author and you kind of like the idea of the book, uh, I always try to pre-order it. So if you have a friend that maybe it's a good, just after the holidays gift, because it's December 28th, mm-hmm. maybe you know somebody bad with money and they need a gift to kick off next year. com forward slash stacked, S-T-A-C-K-E-D, gives you all the places you can pre-order from. So that is the best way. You can follow me on Twitter, Average show Money, say hi. Uh, and our show Stacking Benjamins is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we call it the greatest money show on earth because it's, as you said, Jim, it's a complete circus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay his name is Joe Salci hi the host of, and creator of the Stacking Benjamins podcast buy his book don't cut him off in traffic <laughs> Joe they thank you so it. much for, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show
1: thanks a ton Jim
0: let's get back to the shipper sorry about that no And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. Okay, I figured for this week's Sherpa Suggestions, I would do something a little bit different. What? Different, you say, Sherpa? That's right, different, I did say it, different. (laughs) What does that sound weird? Different! Okay, anyway, let's get back to the point. I'm going to recommend one podcast, and that is the Stacking Benjamins podcast. Why, you may ask, I will tell you why. There are so many fantastic podcasts to listen to about finance, and I don't know all of my listeners. I don't know the level that you guys are at, or how involved you are with your finances. Some of you may know all the terminology and like to hear those podcasts where there are hosts screaming at you saying, buy this, buy this, invest here, don't sell this, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine if you enjoy that. But I know there are a lot of us that just want that simple advice. And you don't need to be told by, like if you're sitting in in an office with, with, with a financial advisor, even though Joe was a financial planner, the show that he has presented in a format that's very casual conversation and very easy to relate to. So that's what I think a lot of people need. You want to hear this kind of podcast. Between Joe and OG and all the rest of the folks that are on the show, they just do an incredible job. You will learn a lot and you'll have a lot of fun listening to the show too. They're a great bunch of people, very talented, and it's a great place to start. If you want to listen to more financial podcasts, there are so many that are out there that you can enjoy uh i personally listen as well to the clark howard show and be wealthy and smart there's a great one called money rehab as well and you can check out some of joe's recommendations on his website finding he recommends a whole bunch of financial shows that you can check out as well see there you go one podcast recommended, but so many more to listen to. Start with Joe's, and I think you will enjoy that. See, now I can already see a check coming my way just for being so nice. No, 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 we don't do that here at the show, Chalet. We don't condone bribery. Extortion, yes, but bribery, no. Wow! Thank you so much, Joe Salci. hi This was so much fun getting to know you, and folks, do two things. Check out the Stacking Benjamins podcast and go out there and get Joe's book stacked. You will enjoy it and you will definitely learn a lot. And again, not going to be difficult for you. Nice, easy steps to take and it'll help you get your money in order. And speaking of getting my money in order, Mr. Bruce, uh, you got five dollars I can borrow? No? Okay. Well, well, I'll just go dance in the street and do some TikTok videos or something like that. Oh, no, you don't want to see that. Trust me. Run, run and hide. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So we'll be back next week. And thank you for listening. You can hear us at or any of your favorite podcast apps or your least favorite podcast apps. I'm there too. And you can follow me on social media, SherpaLution on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you guys next time. And viva! La Revolution. Thanks for listening to too many podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Revolution. Viva la <coughs> Oh. Yeah, come back now. you hear? here.